so glad that you're here today, but I guess even more than that, I'm so glad that he's here today. <laughs> so glad he's here. The presence of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Let his presence be your pursuit. Let his word be your pursuit. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Father. Mm. I believe God's doing something significant in this church family. I believe um, God's doing something significant in each one of our lives. Whether you feel it, whether you sense it, God has a plan for your life. He's got a plan for the church, whether it's this one or the one that he's planted you in. And I believe it's, it's something that I believe in our day and then we're living in. I believe that we are the New Testament church. I believe the New Testament church is something that should mimic that which was established in the book of Acts. Don't you? And I don't know, I don't know why that changed throughout, throughout, um, throughout time, but I, I don't believe on how the church was founded. When Jesus returns for it, it shouldn't be more glorious than when he came. Because he, he said, I'm coming back for a glorious church. That, just, that means glory us means full of. Full of glory. And so with that, just, just before I get into this message, I just want to communicate to us, communicate to us as a family because, because the Word of God also says that, that as Paul was talking to the church of Corinthians, he says, let everything be done in decently in order. Let, let order be happen. There shouldn't, we shouldn't create an environment of chaos. It shouldn't be an environment of a, a free-for-all, so to speak. And there needs to be some, some order. And, 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 and one of those reasons is also if God's wanting to speak something or say something through you, we want to make sure that it's something that we all hear because, it, because if it's for us, the gifts of the Spirit, First Corinthians tells us it's for the church to profit. Meaning increase, become, become good to go higher, to, to become more. So just want to encourage us that as we engage and then what's going on up here, make sure, let's make sure that, that we're not a, a distraction from other people hearing or receiving or, or paying attention to what the Lord is doing. And, and, you know, I always learned this, learned this from Kenneth Hagin. I learned it from Dr. Savell that, that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Amen. You know what? And, and he's not going to interrupt himself. And, and and I'm not saying this as a rebuke or anything like that, but I want to say if the Spirit of God is doing something or moving, I want to make sure that that everything is done and established. One, because if there's something the Lord wants to speak through us or through someone, as we call the gifts of the Spirit, we want to make sure we hear it because you, you may say something, but no one else may have heard it except except for you and you around you. And, and and also to understand this is majority of the time in a service, a lot of times what we have to come to a place is most of the time. We think of doing instead of receiving. And it sure serves more of what things are about is about receiving. And sometimes when the presence of God comes on people, sometimes they don't know how to, how to express it or, or what to do. But a lot of times it's, it's for what God wants to speak to you personally and, and directly. And so when you, and even when it comes to coming to a prayer line, I've, I've seen this when people will come up and they're praying louder than I'm praying. And they're, 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 they're up here and all this. And, and a lot of times it's we receive. You know, if, you know, ha, you know, just, you know, how would, if I were to hand 
you a gift, Kenny, what, you would just what, reach out and receive it. I'm giving you a gift. I'm, I'm doing something for you. So, therefore, it's not something that you have to try to earn. You, you never come up for laying hands to earn a healing. Or if you just pray louder and pray harder, it's going to happen. Amen. The point is, 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 is receiving. One of the greatest things that we can learn in our daily life and even in church life is how to yield. Just yield to what the Spirit of God wants to do. So when you sense God's presence on your life in, in a service, don't immediately have the, the, the feeling, I've got to do something. Immediately saying, the presence of the Lord is here. And it's not just for a feeling. It's not just for an emotion or a goosebump or whatever we might say. But what does he want me to receive? And that's the time maybe to get out a pen. That may be a time to, to him speaking to you a word of wisdom at that moment. And maybe it is something for the church. Everyone okay? Because we want, we want everything that God has for us as we step in and, and as we are going to be the church that God has ordained us to be on, in this community. Amen? Hallelujah. You all love me? Amen. Love me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2. And I've been talking about, I talked about the fire of God. We talked about how it said that Jesus would come and he'd baptize us with Holy Ghost and fire. And we talked about what that fire represents. That that fire represents, it, it is what sanctifies us. It sets us apart. It sets us apart to be more like Jesus. And it also sets us apart for service. And um, I want to continue talking about this this, the person of the Holy Spirit as it pertains to our life. And, and last week I, I, I referred to the fact that it said that the one who has established us is, and anointed us is God. And I remember I established this, that you, you are anointed by God. And it said, and in whom you were sealed by the Holy Spirit, right? And so I don't have time to go back and review that, but let's get into this today in Acts chapter 2. And this is something I dealt with last week, but I wanna, I'm going to go immediately into what I believe we're to deal with today. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Right, a lot of times we look at this, and, and this is what was prophesied. Peter saying, you know, it was what Joel, they're not drunk as you suppose, but this is that. This is that, that was prophesied by, by the prophet Joel, right? This is that. I, I believe as we go, not just today, but in the weeks to come, we'll be able to say, hey, this is that. This is that. Can you say it with me? This is that. And he said, so he goes, I will pour out my spirit. And a lot of times we can look at that and we can say, oh, well, this is something that happened way back then. But I love how he uses the word pour because the pour is not something that is past tense. But it pour is the aspect of something that is presently continually to happen. In the last days, he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. That means from the time that this happened on the day of Pentecost all the way until Jesus returns, he's continuing to pour his spirit out on all flesh. And he says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. 
Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And we referred to this last week. And, and we look at that as something spiritual. And we look at a vision as something, something that maybe, well, you, you know, I'm, I'm, God doesn't show me visions. Or God doesn't show me dreams. But I believe that, that each one of us, if you've been born again for a long enough period of time, there's something in prayer time. There's something that the Lord has shown you. There's something that He's, he's put on the inside of you. That He wants you. He has placed, the Spirit of God has placed dreams in you. Has placed visions visions in you and the sons and daughters will prophesy the handmaidens and and the maids that they'll they will prophesy that just means people that have determined to be a slave by choice meaning i'm 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 coming up underneath god and it's these that have come underneath god that he's going to prophesy through those and this word prophecy doesn't have to do with foretelling the future but this word prophecy has to do with this to speak divine inspiration It means to break forth into praise. It means to tell things pertaining to the kingdom. It means to bubble up and pour forth words abundantly. It means to declare holy songs and praises to God. So it's not just the the spirit being poured out and then all of a sudden uh, you're going to have a prophet stand up and do these things. No, that word prophecy is so much more than just maybe our Christian understanding of a prophet. But it means you are, by the Spirit of God, you're releasing something that is going to bring freedom to someone else's life. Now let's go down to verse 22. I talked more about all that last week, but verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man. Jesus of Nazareth, a man. Can you say that with me? Jesus of Nazareth, a man. I I like how it said the fact that it didn't say, Jesus who came from heaven, who was the Son of God. It said, Jesus of Nazareth, the man. Attested, you can turn me down a little bit, Steve. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested. Now, this word attested is, I like this word. I like this word. You remember going to school uh, when you were like in kindergarten, maybe? Or a little bit older, first grade. And they had what you call show and tell. I know Hannah liked show and tell. I know Hannah, she still likes show and tell. I mean, that's why she is our children's pastor, because she loves show and tell. But, but really, this scripture here is God's show and tell. If you look this word up in the Greek, it's, it's two different words, and it means to show off. So when it says this, it says, says men of Israel... Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man that is showed, has to show off, God wants to show off to you this Jesus that is a man. Do you see that? Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you. How did he show him off? By miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst. So God, now get this, Alex, God did signs and wonders through a man. Why? Because God wanted to show off. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> Just let that... Man. Jesus of Nazareth, a man. Attested by God. For mer- signs and wonders. Miracles that God did through him. In your midst. As you yourselves also know him. Being delivered by determined purpose and the foreknowledge of God. Thank you, Father. Now, think about this to, to show off. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Look at verse 13. Thank you, Father. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Now, think about it. Here, they're they're all talking about this miracle that happened in Acts chapter 3. And here they're, they're, they're coming to him and they're, say, they're coming to them and they're saying that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled at that. Wait a minute. We have an education and you don't have an education. We're trained and you're not trained. But yet they realized that they had been with Jesus. Who have you been with? Yeah, who you with? <laughs> they, they had been with Jesus. I, I mean, when you get around certain things, there's just no, there's just no denying what you've been around. I, I mean, when, growing up in, in the church that I went to, there was this one lady. I mean, it was, a church, it was Church of God. And there was this lady, her name was Beulah. That was her name. And she, you know, I was part of Church of God and she did everything for all the ladies and, and everything. But there was something that she always do and it was she would always hug me. And it didn't matter the rest of that day, even into that night, I could, I, I could tell I'd been around Beulah because I could still smell her old lady perfume. No offense, no offense to, sorry. More experienced lady. Nah. I mean, but that she had this, she had this perfume that was, that you, you, you knew it. And if I, if I walked in and I, and I smelled someone, I said, there's Beulah. Beulah, hey, have you been hugging Beulah? Cause I'm telling you, you smell just like Beulah did. I would go to my, I would go to my grandparents' house and, and my, uh, my grandparents, they, they, they smoked all, all my life. And, and so when we would go and stay and it didn't matter if, you know, they would always smoke outside, but yet it didn't matter that we had this, you know, it, we, we brought a bag packed and it, it didn't matter even if I wore the clothes or didn't wear the clothes, we would go back to my house and they would still smell like cigarettes. So you could tell what house I, I had been at. Do you get the picture? So there was something about the disciples that these Pharisees were seeing about these men that they had been with Jesus. But, but you know what? I don't think it was... Yes, it was being with Jesus. They watched Jesus. They heard Jesus. They saw Jesus work miracles. They, 
They heard Jesus' teaching. They heard his instructions. He, he heard the rebukes. He heard their, he heard his encouragements. He, they heard so many different things. So yes, I think a part of it was, yeah, learning from Jesus. I, I believe that was part of it, but I believe it goes much deeper than that. I believe it goes much deeper than that because remember, Jesus of Nazareth was a man. But I believe it was what they were seeing. I realize that you've been with Jesus. Pastor Phil, I believe it was more what was on Jesus was now on them. What drove Jesus was now driving them. The way in which they talked was the way that Jesus did because he was filled with the Holy Ghost. The way that the miracles of God worked through him was the way that they had done that same miracle with the man that was crippled at the, at the temple door. There's just something that happens when, when you get around the Spirit of God, it changes you. So I believe what they were really saying, and they didn't know how to put it in words. It's the only thing, that, the way that they could describe it was that they had been with Jesus. But I want to encourage us, that with us this morning, that we have to realize that, that yes, it was being with Jesus and walking with Jesus. But more importantly, it was being filled with what Jesus was filled with. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about uh, Moses. And, and I was thinking about how in Exodus chapter 34, verse 35, here Moses is spending time up on the mountain where God's presence was. And yet when he's in, in the presence of God and he's getting the, getting the law, he comes down. And as he's coming down, Kenny, his face shone like the glory of God. And it was so bright that no one could even look at him. So what did he have to do? He had to put a veil over his face. Why? Because he had been in the presence. He had been with the presence. But I have good news for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us that we, having the Spirit of God, have something that's more glorious than what Moses had. Go read it, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He goes, if the, if, if the glory of God was upon Moses dealing with the law that was, that was, temp, the law that was for, that, that had an ending, how much more would it be from the Spirit of God? He even goes on to say that even the Jewish people today, when they hear the gospel, they hear it with a veil over their eyes because they can't understand its meaning. But yet it says, once they turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And it goes on and says, as we behold him. This is 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. As we continue to behold him. It said, we are transformed. We are transformed, right? Hallelujah. We are transformed. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. You could say the spirit of the Lord. You could say the fire of the Lord. As we behold that presence, we are being transformed into the same image. From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. There's something that happens when we hang out with the Holy Ghost that it will transform our lives. 
So when we, who have you been with? Someone needs to stay at your workplace. Man, where have you been going? Who you've been hanging out with. Yeah, I would love for you to say, Herod, your faith. But I would rather you say, I've been with Jesus. I've been with the word of God. I've been with the Holy Spirit. Don't discount the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because it's what made the disciples to be like, we can tell you've been with him. We can tell you've been with him. Let's look at Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Verse 33. I'm sorry, 38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Like I said, I'm so glad that he said Jesus of Nazareth. He didn't say Jesus that came from heaven. It was Jesus. It could have been Jesus from Crowley. It could have been Alex from Houston. Is that right, Houston? Could have been Pastor Phil that was from West Texas. Wherever you're from. But here he said it was Jesus from how he anointed him. The word anoint means to smear on. It means to pour on. It means smear into. It means to rub all over. (laughs) He anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now, you have to understand, we talk about the anointing, but the anointing is just an action. The anointing is a particular event. The anointing isn't necessarily... um, I don't say this wrong. We know the anointing destroys every yoke and removes every burden. Okay? So don't get me wrong when I'm saying this. The anointing is an action. The anointing in itself isn't the power. Some of you like, say what? It depends on what you're anointed with. You know, I I love the aspect of the word anointing because it's a word of proximity. It's not a word that can happen at a distance. Meaning, if you're going to rub on something, then you need to be close close to it. A lot of people want anointing, but they're not close to the one that anoints. So, it it talks about it talks about closeness. It talks about proximity. It talks about it talks about being. It talks about fellowship. It's about intimacy. There's something there. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with. Holy Ghost and power. So, so we have to understand, it, it, it didn't just say how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. It tells us, no, what was rubbed into him and what was all over him, what was smeared into him, what was poured onto him. You see, when they anointed people in the Old Testament, this wasn't, this wasn't just how we consider anoint. We put a little oil on our finger and, and we're like, oh, we, we anoint you. 
I'm telling you, when you got anointed in the Old Testament, you knew you got anointed. I, I remember being in Bible school when we, were, we had a class called the Person of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I wasn't the one, uh, and we did an illustration of what it meant in the Old Testament on how they anointed someone. And, and, uh, and I had never seen this before, never even heard this before. But uh, they, they, they selected three of us out of the class and said, hey, would you help with the illustration? I was like, sure. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I, I wasn't the, I was like, well, do, do you, it's like, do you want to be the one anointed or the one that's anointing? I said, I don't know. I mean, I, I, would, I didn't know what was even happening at the time. And, and we're like, I said, well, and, and so the one guy said, well, I'll, I'll be the one that's anointed. Okay. So we went outside right next to the building here. And they, we, we get outside and there are, these, there are these two urns. I mean, that were like about that big. And they were ceramic. Kenny was in there. Remember that? Were you? Yeah. We went to Bible school together. And... And so these urns, and I mean, I'm telling you, just the urns themselves had to weigh about, about 25 or 30 pounds themselves, empty. And it might have been more. And they take us outside, and there's these big urns, and there's two chairs, and then there was this space in the middle. So they put, I can't remember who was it, was it Mike Vance? I think it was, I thought it was Mike Vance, but... Anyway, it was someone in the center, and, and here, here I'm standing up on the, on the side there, and the person's there, and the person on the other side. Then they bring people over to hand us these, these urns that are filled with oil. And so I'm having to go like this, and I'm holding these urns, and so she's talking about what it was like to be anointed in the Old Testament. And they took these, er, these things of oil and we slowly poured. It was, I think it was a total of about five gallons of oil. So when you got anointed, you knew you got anointed. This, the, the stuff they had, it was the oil that they used. It had the frankincense, the myrrh. It had all the different things that they had in it. And, and so at that time, I had, a pair of, I had a pair of Doc Martens, these brown Doc Martin shoes. I had Doc Martens, okay, it's all right. They were brown Doc Martens. And, and I'm telling you, those shoes got anointed that day. For the next seven years, they looked like they were brand new because they had a. And the thing is, they still smelled like the. They still smelled like the oil. Seven years later, those shoes still smelled like the oil that it was that it that they, that the oil got on. It, they weren't even the ones being anointed. It was it just what ran down. So when when they got anointed, it wasn't just a little dabble, do you? It was like you, you walked away there oily. You, you walked away there and you walked down the street and people could see you and they could smell you. And it was a good smell. I mean, it was like essential oils on steroids. It was like, I mean, do, do you see what I'm saying? So, so when it says in how God anointed, it wasn't God coming down Ashley and say, here's, here's some anointing. No, it was everything he'd need. It was, it was fullness. It was completeness. It was everything that Jesus would need for his purpose and for his journey. 
how God poured on, rubbed into, smeared all over, how God anointed. But it didn't, it wasn't just how he anointed, but what? He anointed with Holy Ghost and power. The anointing was the action, but what was being poured on him, smeared into him and all over him was Holy Ghost and power. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands right where you sit. Just lift your hands right where you are like a funnel. What did he do in the last days? He poured out Holy Ghost and power on all flesh. So, how you've been anointed by Holy Ghost in power. If you've received the Holy Ghost into your life and you're filled with the Holy Ghost this morning, I want you to know how God anointed you with the Holy Ghost in power. For you to go about and do good and heal all that are oppressed of the devil because God is with you. So on the if you can get a picture of the anointing in the Old Testament and then you can get a picture of the day of Pentecost. He poured, he rubbed in, he smeared all over. And it came by the Holy Ghost and power. You know, you've heard me say this, Christ wasn't Jesus' last name. It wasn't Joseph and Mary Christ. No Christ. You know how it said, how God anointed, it didn't say Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He said Jesus of Nazareth. And the act of the anointing is what made him the Christ. He became Jesus Christ after the anointing happened. Now, if you look through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you look in the book of Mark, in Mark 1, verse 1, is the first place that the word Christ is mentioned, but it's actually in reference to his history and saying this is kind of like the story of Jesus Christ, our Savior. But you know what? Christ is not mentioned another time until Mark chapter 8. Halfway through the book of Mark, you don't see, you don't see the word Christ another time. But when, when do we see it? In Mark chapter 8, when Jesus asked Peter the question, who do men say that I am? In Luke, you see, you, you see it in, in chapter 1 and chapter 2 because the angels are declaring it. You see it in, 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 in Luke because, because God told Simeon that, that you're going to be here until the Christ comes. You see it in Luke chapter 4, when, uh, you see it in Luke chapter 4 and it, it really the word Christ is used because it's actually devils are actually speaking it, not man. So it's not, it's not, until, not until chapter 6 that we see Christ actually being named concerning him as a person, on him. You see in John chapter 1, verse, I think it's uh, verse 16, they were talking about John the Baptist and saying, saying, are you the Christ? And it's asking if John the Baptist is or not. You see the word Christ in John 4 in two different places because it says, it talks about the woman at the well said, you are the Christ. And then it said the Samaritans, all that came to see Jesus, they called him the Christ. But it wasn't until the next chapter that, that actually Peter, someone following Jesus, said you're the Christ. 
And you see the same thing in the book of Matthew. You see it in chapter 1, but you don't see it again. And in, in, in chapter 11, John the Baptist is asking the question. Send my people there and say, Jesus, you know, Jesus, are you the Christ or should we look for another? But yet it's not until chapter 16 in the book of Matthew that someone actually calls him the Christ. So you have to understand the importance of, of this Christ. I'm just teaching here a little bit because I want you to know what the, what the Christ means. We know him, oh, he's Jesus Christ the Lord. Yes, but you have to understand this, anoint, this Christ wasn't always a part of his life until after he was filled with the Holy Ghost and power, anointed. So let's go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Thank you, Father. Verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? You notice he said, The Son of Man am. He didn't say the Son of God. So they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, and he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the Christ. What are you saying? You're the anointed one. You're the Messiah. You're the one that we're waiting for. You're the son of the living God. Meaning you are the offspring that brings life. You have come from God and you have come to bring life. You're the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You are the Christ. But what does Jesus say? Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father is who is in heaven. So this is a revelation. Here Peter is getting revelation of this anointed one. Peter's getting revelation of this anointing. He goes, he goes, you know, you couldn't hear, you didn't, couldn't know this from flesh and blood. This had to come to you from God. And then he says, and I also say to you, and you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. On this rock. It wasn't for the church to be built upon Peter. We don't have to build the church on Peter. But build on what? The rock. The rock of revelation. What revelation? That Jesus is the anointed one. On this, I'm going to found my church. I'm going to establish. I will build. The word build there means to to found. It means to establish. I'm going to found the church on this revelation that Jesus is the Christ. So let me ask you a question. When was the church founded? Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when he poured out the anointing, this revelation of Christ. And it's on this that I will build my church, I will found my church in the gates of hell, will not prevail against it. The church should be the greatest entity within the community. 
And the gates of hell should not be able to prevail against the church. Why? Because of the anointing. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Thank you, Father. Jesus knew it was the anointing on his life that caused him to do what he was called to do. Why do I say that? Because Jesus said in John 14... He said, it's my Father in me. He does the work. So Jesus didn't do the works in Himself. He had to have assistance. It's my Father in me that does the work. But He said, I could do these signs and wonders. I go about healing all that are oppressed of the devil. Because what? Because God is with me. Galatians chapter 3. Now, let's. I want to now switch this over. Just, I just want to go through all four epistles real quick. Because this, this is, the, the epistles were written for the church. So we established the fact of where this anointing came from. When, when the anointing came and was made available. And that us as men or women, we have the anointing upon our lives by the Holy Spirit. So let's unpack these, with these letters to the churches. Let's look at verse, uh, verse 3. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? Meaning, you, you, meaning the church, you, you started out as a church that, was, that had the Spirit. But all of a sudden now, you're living out your flesh. I mean, you started an anointed... You started as one that was being used by God, but now you're living out of your flesh. Your, your flesh is dictating your life now. Your emotions are dictating your life. Offenses are dictating your life. But now he's saying, he's saying here, but what you, you started in the spirit, but now you're in the flesh. And what does he say here? He goes, have you suffered so many things for no purpose, if indeed it was in vain? Now listen to this. Therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of faith or by, by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, I'm not, I don't want to go in and unpack that, but I, I want you to see this part of it. Therefore, he, God, he does what? He supplies the spirit to you and he works miracles upon you, among you. Now, think about it. This is what Paul is writing to the church of Galatians that were now no longer a spiritual church. They were a natural church. But he says, he's trying, to, he's trying to stir something up on the inside of them. They're saying, he's the one that, he goes, he's the one that supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles. He supplies the Spirit. He anointed you with the Spirit and power. So you're just going to go back and put yourself under the law? Or is it going to be about faith in what happened at the day of Pentecost? Let's look at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just say, thank God for the word. Thank God for the word. Let's look at verse 14. Now he's writing to the church of Ephesus. 
He says, For this reason I bow my knee to the Father, knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Now this is according to the riches of his glory. And what does that look like? His glory, his presence, his power, his fire, his love, his his strength, his grace, that he would give you in proportion to the abundance of his glory. So God has this abundance of his glory. And so this is his prayer. And so what would happen that that you would be strength to be strengthened with all might through his spirit. In the inner man. It's his spirit on your inner man. It's his spirit on the inner man that is going to cause you to be strengthened with all might. All might. All might. What does all might look like, Kenny? What would all God's might on the inside of you look like? Unstoppable. Unstoppable. And this isn't this isn't a, this isn't for us to get be have an attitude or high minded about ourselves, but it's for a revelation and understanding that the greater one lives on the inside of you. Greater is He, right? Greater is He that's in you than He that is in the world. But as a church, we a lot of times sit back or you don't step out. You don't become bold. You don't step into your calling or your purpose or the things He's shown you on the inside because you don't fully understand what you've been anointed with. To be strengthened with all might through His Spirit in the inner man. What? That Christ. You know what? It didn't say that Jesus. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that the anointing, that the anointing, the same anointing that was on Jesus, that that anointing would dwell in your heart by faith. That you would be rooted and grounded in love. That you may be to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height. And to know the love of Christ... To know the love of Christ. To know the love of Christ. To know the love of Christ. Which passes knowledge. To know. This is a, this is a word of up close and personal. This is a word of, of closeness. This is a word of intimacy. This is a word of friendship. This is a word of fellowship. To know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Who have you been with? Who have you been with? Here he says that we need to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Meaning, it doesn't make sense to your head. It's beyond what I can naturally think to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Why? Why do I need to know the love of God that passes knowledge? What does it say? Thank you, Father. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. And what? That you might be filled with all the fullness. The fullness of God. Are you are you awake this morning? I mean, to be filled with all the fullness of God. I mean, do you think Jesus was filled with with the fullness? Yes. And here, Paul's writing to the church, and it says that if we know the love of Christ, meaning if we have intimate personal relationship, that out of that relationship, we we CJ would be filled with all all the fullness of God. 
my mind, natural mind can't compute that. For me to be filled with all the fullness, fullness, fullness. There's nothing in me that's lacking when I understand this. I'm filled with all the fullness of God. And some people, you just rather settle for, for lack, or rather, some people settle for, for I, oh, I just want a little bit of God. I, I'll go this far. No, I want everything He has for my life. I, I want to be everything He's called me to be. I want to do everything He's called me to do. And we're to live out of this fullness. That's what this anointing is. Thank you, Father. Filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20. Now to him. Because of this fullness. Because of this understanding. Now to him. Who is able. To do exceedingly. Abundantly. Above all that we ask or think. See some people when they they quote that scripture. That's all they say. Now God is. He's abundantly above all. I could ask, think, dream, or imagine, the Amplified says. Right, am I right? People, that's, we, we read that scripture and we stop there. He's, he's abundantly above all. I could ask, think, dream, or imagine. But there's a comma there. According to the power that works in heaven. The power that worked in Jesus. The power that works in Dr. Savell. It's according to the power that works in us. Let the Holy Ghost work in you. Let the Holy Ghost change how you love. Let the Holy Ghost change your, your level of uh, how, how your patience your goodness, your gentleness, your meekness. Let the Holy Ghost change. Yes. He has the ability to transfer you to being a person of, of um, timidity to a person of boldness. Amen. It's according to. It's according to. He's abundantly above all. I could ask, think, dream, or imagine according to the anointing that's in me. Yes. Meaning there's nothing that can stop me. There's nothing that can hinder me but me. He's this work that's happening in, in us. Go to Philippians 2. Thank you, Father. Look at verse 13. For it is God who works in you. For it is God who works in you. Both to will and to do his good pleasure. Why is the Father, why is the anointing in you? Why is, why is, why is the Holy Spirit in us? To will and to do his good pleasure. For it is God who works in you. Both to will and to do his good pleasure. There's some things that, you know what, I didn't want to do. And I didn't want to do them. But I, but I had to get to a place, Lord, help me to want to do it. Lord, help me to be willing. 
For he works in you. Why is he working in you? To will and to do his good pleasure. Then he says, do all things without complaining. Can I get an amen? Amen. And disputing. Why? That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Meaning, meaning his, He's working in you so you can be someone that is bringing light and bringing, bringing, bringing a change. Let me, let me finish reading that. It says, it says that you might be children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and per, per, perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You're, you're shining as lights in the world. This is what Chariots of Light was started after, after this scripture. That you would shine as lights in this world. Why? Because we live in a crooked and perverse generation. So we have fire on the inside of us. We have a Holy Ghost on the inside of us. We have anointing on our lives. And He's working in us for what? To will and to do His good pleasure. It is His good pleasure for you to be a light in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. You need to believe in here Sundays and Wednesdays and whenever you come here, you need to believe in saying, hey, I'm a light in my workplace. I'm a light in my community. I'm going to go off and I'm going to go, I'm going to go out this place and I am going to shine a light. I'm going to bring peace. Why? Because I have the anointing on me. I'm going to bring healing. Why? Because I have, I have the anointing on me. I'm going to bring joy because I have the anointing on me. I'm going to have a word in season to those that are weary because I have the anointing on me. Don't think that you can't do those things. God wants to will and to do His good pleasure. And what is His pleasure? People. It's the kingdom of God being populated. Hallelujah. But this is a work that's going on in us. That's what the anointing is doing. It's working in us. Let me close with this. Colossians 1. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you. Look, verse 25. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you. Meaning God is saying, I'm a gift to you. Let me ask you a question. You're a gift to somebody. Who is it? You are a gift to somebody. Paul, I love how it says in the New King James, in which I became a minister according to the stewardship of God. We don't, didn't become ministers of reconciliation just so we could say we're saved. You became born again so then you could be God's stewardship. As a gift to somebody else. Of which I became a minister. According to the stewardship from God. Which was given to me for you. To do what? To fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages. And from generations. But now has been revealed to his saints. Saints means set apart ones. Verse 27. To them God willed to make known What are the riches? So remember, it's God to will and to do His good pleasure. Verse 27, to them God willed, He will do the saints. Say, that's me. me. You can say the church, to the church God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is the mystery? Christ 
in you the hope of glory. Christ in you. And this is way beyond just Jesus. Christ in you. It has to do with Jesus. But it's Christ in you. It's the anointing in you. What was the anointing? Holy Ghost and power. The anointing in you is Holy Ghost and power. That is the mystery. And it's still a mystery to denominations all over this world that we have God living on the inside of us. That we have God's power living on the inside of us. We have miracle working power residing on the inside of us. Don't let it be a mystery to you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. What does it say? Him we preach. Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. So why is Christ in us? What's the purpose? rest of that verse, that we might present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. The anointing in you is to bring perfection to someone else. The anointing in you that you might present all men perfect in Christ. How do you present someone perfect in Christ? You witness the gospel to them. You share your faith. You give your testimony. You pray for someone. You lay hands on the sick. You give them an encouraging word. It's the action of going into all the world and preaching the gospel. And making disciples of all nations. That's why the anointing is on the church. And that's why the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Let me finish reading this. Because some people just, just read just one verse. But see it in the context. Christ in you the hope of glory. Him we preach warning every person. And teaching every man in all wisdom. That we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. To this end I also labor. Striving according to his working which works in me mightily. Man. Woo. Do you see this this morning? It's, 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 God wants to work in you and the purpose is so he can work through you. Stand to your feet. He's working in me. And he's working in me mightily. He's working in me and he's working in me mightily. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands. Mm. Mm. Just repeat this after me. He's working in me. And he's working in me mightily. God is working through my life. That I might change others. The same anointing. That was upon Jesus. Jesus released it. And gave it to us. We are the church. The anointing is in us. That means Holy Ghost power is in us. And I have it for a reason. That I might go about and do good and heal all that are pressed of the devil. 
And God will be with me in every way. In Jesus' name. Just worship the Lord for a moment. Let's just wait upon the Lord for just a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, this heritage of faith, why we exist is there's hurting people outside these walls. He says, love them for me. What we're called to do is make winners in life. But how we accomplish it is an experience with God. That's my heart every time we gather is that you would experience God's presence here. The second thing is that we might equip people with the word. And I believe that that happened today. I believe that happened today. I believe that we experienced God's presence. And I believe that we're equipped with the word. But the last part of how we accomplish our vision is to engage ourselves. What does that mean? That means that that means engage, meaning, meaning I get into the game. It means I I, I get in, I, I, I go all in. I'm engaged. I, I'm, you know, when when a man enga- gets engaged to, a, it's a, it's saying, hey, I'm 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 committing. I'm 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 all in with this, and I say yes. Is being engaged in service in the local church. It's in it's being engaged in, in developing relationships. It's about being engaged in, in thrive groups. We have thrive groups today. It's a great way to build relationships. But most importantly, it's about fulfilling the commission. It's about taking the presence of God in the word of God that you heard and go change someone else's life with it. You are the salt of the earth. And you are the light of the world. So leave here today knowing that God's working in you and through you mightily to will and to do His good pleasure. We want to hear testimonies of your encounters with people where you work, where you go shop, whatever it might be. You can send it to testimonies at heritageoffaith.com. We've got a number of them. You know, there's one family, a mother and daughter, they were at a, at a, at a cell phone store and... and, and Introduce someone to Jesus just at a cell phone store. I know Trina and her family and their kids. And, you know, just in a short time, they've led, whether in different places, led over 12 people receiving, being born again. One person rededicating their lives to 13 people just through her and her, her children, witnessing to people just different places they go, introducing people to Jesus. But we need to do that everywhere we go. Hallelujah. Thank you. You received this word today. Yeah.